Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. It is bucket week. Uh... Always my favorite week of the college football season. It's an in-state rivalry against uh, the Purdue Boilermakers. It's what makes college football great. Although this year, uh, Purdue comes into the game at 7-4. and four. Uh, IU comes in at 2-9. and nine. So not a ton of excitement on the IU side. But this is what makes college football great. Rivalry games, anything can happen. Uh, and maybe, just maybe, Indiana could pull a surprise as, as 15 point underdogs, but the game is on Saturday. It kicks off at 3.30 p.m. So it will be, if you're going to the game, dress warmly. It is always chilly up at, um, up at Purdue. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be uh, what it's going to be. Uh, before we start, we have a word from our sponsors over at Symbol. Uh, and Spotify Greenroom. We have a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is a stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your team wins, you earn cash. Um, Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams visit www.simbull.com to create a free account and when you deposit make sure you use the promo code sd to make your deposit risk-free visit symbol.com and use the promo code sd and your deposit will be risk-free that means even if you lose money symbol will refund your initial deposit no questions asked join symbol and start uh, profiting from your favorite teams. Uh, TJ, first of all, happy Thanksgiving. We have Thanksgiving. We're recording on Wednesday. Uh, we have Thanksgiving tomorrow uh, and all weekend. So I, I wish your, you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, your initial thoughts on IU football? We'll start with the, the Minnesota game. Yeah, I, happy Thanksgiving to you and to all our listeners as well. Uh, certainly, you know, in a non-sports context, a lot to be thankful for. Um, and, you know, it's a great, great time of the year. So um, now having that out of the way, we must dive into the, the muck uh, that is the ending of this IU football season, which might be something that uh, many of us are thankful for. Um, the Minnesota game was... When searching for positives, which we kind of have to do, you've got to look real hard. Uh, when searching for positives, I think you have to look um, at 
Donovan McCauley's kind of first quarter running. Um, it was, you know, one, basically one good drive that, that kind of showed you, Hey, there's a tiny glimmer of, of hope there. Um, I thought that that one drive showed a burst from Donovan McCauley, as well as, uh, some toughness from him, um, which we've seen, I mean, given what, the offense has asked of him and what the offensive line has kind of sprung upon him with the lack of protection. He's taken a lot of hits uh, and he's a guy that is being asked to run in the middle of big 10 defenses. And it's, it looks painful. Um, and it, he's, he's taken a bit of a beating here the last few weeks. Um, but you know, that one drive that Indiana was able to go down the field uh, a long field, I believe it was 94 yards, um, able to march down the field basically entirely on the ground and get a touchdown. That unfortunately was the high point of the game. Minnesota was unsurprisingly able to make some adjustments and IU was just a complete inability to do anything through the air uh, meant that basically it takes away any running threat because the defense knows this is the only thing they can do. There's nothing else that they can do successfully against us. Um, so it, you become entirely one dimensional and really it was just one dimension with a quarterback. Uh, there wasn't even a running back threat to speak of for the most part. So uh, that was about the only positive. Um, I thought that I used defense again, it, it's so hard to evaluate this defense, because of how inept the offense is. I mean, the defense is put into a position where they know if we give up double digit points, the game's over. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's kind of hard to be too negative towards the defense while not perfect. Um, I think in, in several games, they have played well enough to, to at least give you a chance. Um, but yeah, the offense just, the exact opposite. Um, there is no chance when you cannot consistently even get a first down on a drive. So um, I think it was more of the same on Saturday, unfortunately. Uh, you had the one positive drive and basically everything else was just kind of running out the clock is what it looked like to me. Um, very little urgency or innovation from the offense uh it, it for a while is a a staff that has looked like they're completely out of answers on that side of the ball and that continued to be the case against the gophers yeah it was you know when i took the seven nothing lead you know the defense had come up with a big stop on uh down i think is the six yard line uh and there was some momentum, there was some juice, uh, and then they go down and take the lead, and you actually felt good for a minute. And then they got the ball back again, and they couldn't extend the lead, right. and that's the problem. They go three and out. I think after that first drive, they had six yards, four yards for the rest of the the rest of the half, which you know you got to. I don't know what Nick Sheridan is doing. I, I don't know what he's doing with Donovan McCulley. They either don't have trust in him throwing the ball 
Um, they haven't worked on it in practice. And, and look, there, there's some people, well, it's the, you know, there's some RPOs that he's not reading. That He's been the starter for a month outside of maybe Jack Tuttle playing a little bit against Rutgers. But he's been the starter um, since the Maryland game. And they have failed to get him ready, uh, whether that's short, quick throws to the outside. Um, you know, they just keep running the, the like you said, the, the quarterback runs. And I, I get they're shorthanded and they're shorthanded in, in the running game and, and things like that. But it's let them try and throw you. You finally got um, Grant Grimmel in there. He looked OK throwing the ball. Yeah, Malachi Holt Benton got open behind the defense again. Why isn't he playing more? Why aren't these younger guys playing more and things like that? Right. Uh, because, look, you have Ty Freifogels out there. You've run him out there for 11 games, and he's been bad for 90% of them. And that's maybe giving him a break at, at Western Kentucky and, and Maryland. But once again, he's you're running jet sweeps with him, and he's not the fastest guy because he can't get open. Um, he's not making the the contested 50-50 catches. So what? Why are why are people sitting on the bench? Go play these young guys. Let them take their dings. The season's a a wash anyway. Go develop depth, and that's the problem with this team was that there was no developed depth. You know, and it, they took a ton of hits. And uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but on the offensive side of go, this is, you know, this is what happened in, in 2017 with the defense. They took their lumps and they became really good in 2020 uh, and, and stuff like that. So uh, it, it's, it, it's got to, something's got to change. And I think it's, it comes down to the offensive coordinator and you have, I think three more people went into the portal, including Jacoby Hewitt, uh, EJ Person, um, and things like that. So it's people are now leaving the program and they're leaving early. We'll see who comes back. Tom Allen said that Tywin Mullen might be back this week. Stephen Carr might be back this week. Michael Penix and Jack Tuttle could be back this week, which is kind of um, – kind of hard to believe and and things like that. So it's, I don't know. It's, I I would empty the bench. I'd play every, every freshman, every sophomore, everybody wants to be there uh, and who has a little bit of fire in their belly, because if you win this game on Saturday, it doesn't look one and one and eight isn't great, but you do retain the bucket. You do beat Purdue, uh, which is another thing. They're having a, their best season uh, since 2007. So that could be something to hold over their heads. Uh, and then you you keep your own fan base from cannibalizing the program. You have fans wanting to say if IU goes 0-9, that the headline should be Ellie 0 9 <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, a win on Saturday it doesn't cure everything. But man, it makes a season a little bit better. Right. I mean, it, it's yeah. You know, I, I wrote in my my game week primer uh, that'll come out later this week that um, you know for about a month 
the only thing that I use had to play for was the bucket game and pride. Um, it's, it's, you know, winning that rivalry was, was the only thing that was going to salvage anything from this season. Um, now, I consider it highly unlikely uh, based on what we've seen from Purdue. I mean, uh, it's a, a very good passing offense and a much improved defense uh, going against IU's, you know, very banged up secondary that, uh, you know, Taiwan Mullen is doing everything he can to get back is what we've heard. But, you know, that's what's been said for most of this season. And I'm yeah. not blaming Taiwan Mullen in any way. I'm sure it's true. But, I mean, at some point, he's not, either either he's out or he's in. But how effective is he going to be if he's able to come back? I mean, you know, the guy has not actually been able to be healthy for basically all season, uh, which affects conditioning, affects practice, affects your ability to be the player you have been capable of being uh, and will be, you know, next season. Uh, it's not a, a long-term issue that's going to cause him to, to not be the player he was, but for right now, he's just not. And even if he's able to get out there, you know, what are you getting from him? Um, and that that's, you know, it's a banged up secondary going against uh, outside of CJ Stroud, Aiden O'Connell's playing as better than any quarterback in the big 10. Yeah. Um, you know, last week against Northwestern, 423 yards, three touchdowns and Northwestern basically schemed to, okay, we're going to prevent David Bell from making big plays. Bell has 12 catches for 101 yards, still a very good game. Um, but when they scheme so much towards stopping him, well, Milton Wright, eight catches, 213 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, they have, they have got a few weapons. Jackson Anthrop is more of a, a slot guy, underneath guy, kind of a safety valve, uh, same for Payne Durham at tight end. Uh, but, you know, Milton Wright, big play receiver, David Bell, possibly the best receiver in the country. Um, you could argue he's not the best, but one of the best, inarguable. Um, their running game is poor. They, they don't run the ball well at all. Really, the only purpose of their handoffs is to make the defense at least have to play the run a little bit so that when they do throw it, there's a little bit of room uh, for them to operate there. Then you look at their defensive front, mainly George Karloftis going against this IU offensive line. I'm sure he is licking his chops uh, yeah. in what's going to be likely his final home game, David Bell's final home game. Those two may or may not play in the bowl games. You never know. Uh, what we can say with confidence, though, is those are two outstanding players probably playing in their final home game. And I don't see how IU stops either one of them, uh, to be blunt. And George Karloftis is a player tailor-made to pick apart that IU offensive line, which uh, can be said about basically every matchup that they've had this season. And I don't see IU's offense being able to 
consistently move the ball because they haven't done that against pretty much any Big Ten opposition outside of Maryland, which they were fortunate to score what they did against them. Um, and if that's the case, you're asking the defense to, again, hold Purdue's offense down, you know, under, I don't know, to give them a chance, let's say, under 20 to have IU have a shot at being competitive, right? Yeah. Unless Purdue's offense is making a bunch of mistakes and turning the ball over, I don't see how that's going to happen. It's not supposed to be a bad weather game. It's supposed to be cold, but not a bad weather game. So I, I don't really see where IU shot is to, to have a shot in this game. Yeah. I mean, it's – they're 15-point under – IU's 15-point underdogs for a reason. I, I think, you know – I mean, there, there's not much that IU does well. Like Charles Campbell hasn't kicked all that much in the last couple of weeks uh, and things like that. Um, you know, maybe you get the run game going. Purdue is, is 11th in, in the run rushing attack uh, in, in the Big Ten. And IU, you know, Minnesota's pretty decent against the run. They, they were ranked third in the Big Ten um, after last week. So maybe you get the run game going and shorten the game and, and play ball control, but you can't, yeah. you, you have to do something else too. So whether Grant Grimmel starts um, or Donovan McCulley or even Michael Panix, uh, which I, I think would, I don't know. I don't know why there, there are rumors going around that he's going to play and you sneak out Michael Panix and, you know, he yeah. saves the day, but, it's there's not me I think you you gotta you gotta run an offense that's run heavy but you also have to pass the ball and you have to do it with short quick passes like Purdue does you, there's no time for Donovan McCulley to for to have his receivers run routes downfield and, and things like that and, you know, as if you're going to trust him with RPOs and he's not making the passing decision, call a damn pass play. You know, Tom Allen lit into Nick Sheridan in the passing game and play calls after the game Saturday. Uh, and it's like, well, RPO, RPO. Well, if you want your quarterback to throw the ball, don't call an RPO. Call a pass play. You know, call something where you make the decision for him. He doesn't have to read the defense to say, oh, we're going to run the ball, or because clearly he's more comfortable running it right now. He doesn't doesn't have to. He doesn't have to to be that way. Call a pass play uh, and, and things like that. So, you know, I, I have a feeling it's the last game for Sheridan. Could be a last game for a couple coaches on the IU staff as well. Um, it, it's go it, it, go play some young guys and, and run this offense and do something uh, because nothing has worked this year. And if Indiana is going to have a shot, they're going to have to play perfectly on special teams. They're going to have to limit David Bell like Northwestern did, but you can't let Milton Wright go off for 203 touchdowns and you can't let Jackson Anthrop kill you. And you can't let, you know, like in 2009, or 2019, you can't let um, the running game kill you too. Uh, Purdue's Jeff Brom's got that offense humming, 
again, and they're very dangerous uh, on defense. I don't, they're not great, but they're, they could shut, shut people down and, and get takeaways, uh, especially if IU's just going to give the ball away like they did against Minnesota and things like that. IU's going to have to play a near perfect game to, I, I think, keep this one close, um, let alone win it. So I, I don't know where IU has the advantage in it. Um, they just have to, and, and you hate to say, they have to play harder than Purdue. And that shouldn't be an issue, but it has been. Yeah, I think that that's probably the most uh, discouraging thing of the past two weeks has been against, look, Rutgers, they're, they're not good, period. Um, that's, they're better than they have been, but that, that's not a good team. No, if, so, IU, uh, if IU plays Rutgers in Maryland in September, they probably beat them. Uh, same with Minnesota, I think. If the schedule gets flipped, I think, I think it's a different story. But yeah, they didn't show up against Rutgers, and as soon as the first fumble happened, uh, the wheels fell off. And and last week, like you said, TJ, as soon as Minnesota took the lead, it was over. Yeah, and it it felt like um, I. It's hard to to call it just a. I don't think it's a total lack of effort necessarily, um, because I I think these guys try really hard. I think you have to in football, um, but I think that it is a. I guess a lack of belief at its simplest terms. Like I I think that there's probably an understanding from everybody that's involved that once we fall behind by a certain amount of time, um, I, I think that there's just a complete understanding from everybody, well, we're done. Like, we're, we're not going to score. We're not going to make a comeback. And then there's a, a bit of a defeatist kind of attitude that, that understandably sets in uh, across the defense, and that you know causes what maybe comes across as, as poor effort. But for me, I think a, a better way to describe it is just a, uh, a defeated, beaten down mentality that, um, that has set in with the team probably from coming so short of expectations that they set on themselves. I know that there's disappointment from, from us and from the fan base. And uh, it's been a difficult season for us to get through, but I, I think it's important for everybody to keep in mind, like nobody on that staff or in that locker room is having fun with this either. Um, I mean, they, I don't think that very many people in that locker room set out with the intention of, Oh well, you know we'll go out there, and if if we fall apart and go two and nine, all right, whatever. Um, it matters to them too, and I, I I am sure that it's very difficult to continue working as hard as you have to when things have gone so rotten, um, really so quickly uh, from where they were two or three months ago. So. Um, it's been a very long season for those guys as well. And 
when things in, in, in a game, like against Rutgers with that early fumble, like against Minnesota, with, in my opinion, with that interception at the end of the half, um, I, I think that there's just an understanding that, hey, we don't have what it takes to come back, and we all know it. And it looks that way on the field. Lose you? Sorry, TJ, I was on mute. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I, I made it a point to, sorry, folks, I, I muted myself and, and forgot. Um, but it, I, I made it a point to, to, to look at the coaching on the sidelines as the game went on. And, yeah. you know, while the defense is on the field, Darren Hill is watching the game, he's not coaching the offensive line. And every time I looked down, that was the, the case in point. Now I might have missed it uh, because I, I got to focus on the game a little bit. But, you know, that tells me that, that they've checked out a little bit. And it, it's it, it's the, the issues of this team are clear. And it's not a personnel um, on the field thing. It's a personnel on the sidelines thing. And hopefully Tom Allen realizes that and makes the necessary changes. Um, it could be tricky. Some of these assistants are on two-year contracts and there's buyouts and, you know, they're, IU's probably hurting for money due to the pandemic, uh, and things like that. Um, I don't really know how much they were in the hole last year after, uh, after not having fans in the, in the stands, but you know, they, they had a lot of ticket sales this year and things like that, but the changes that need to be made have to be made and we'll, and we'll see. And it's going to be a interesting off season in terms of uh, players coming in and, and going out uh, through the transfer portal and, and assistant coaching changes and things that uh, things like that. But this is, you know, this is one of those turning points uh, for Tom Allen's tenure at, at, at IU. Can you make the necessary, can you make the necessary changes to not have another, uh, just a, a cratered season uh, like this uh, for a while. Now, you know, if you have one of these every 15 years, fine, whatever. You move on and, and recover. But you can't go back to back, um, you know, two and 10, three and nine, four and eight, uh, especially with the talent that, you know, he's supposedly bringing in. So it, well, it's. Yeah, I, I think. I think that's the question that we're going to be asking ourselves kind of this offseason and what things we'll talk about in the podcast. Um, what does bouncing back look like for IU? I mean, that's, I, I think that what will be very important for, not necessarily for us, because, you know, what, what can you matter, but for the administration and for, for Tom Allen himself, what is a realistic expectation for what IU football is 2022? You know, what is a successful bounce back? It's, yeah. in my opinion, I guess, I would say that you start with, and this is before any information is available as far as who's going to be on the team, who you bring in from the transfer portal, who leaves in the transfer portal, 
what the teams on your schedule are playing like. Before you have any of that information, what is your expectation for what IU football is in the coming year? Um, and for me, I think I would set it at we expect to reach a bowl game. That's I, I think that that would be the baseline expectation that regardless of what the other variables are, we expect to be in a bowl game. Yeah. And then you kind of build the rest of the expectation from there. But I think that's a crucial question that, uh, that needs to be answered again, externally or so much, but internally, I think that everyone needs to understand what it is that, that is expected for the coming year of IU football as you try and kind of piece back together your plan for building this program into what you want it to be eventually, because I feel like it was on a track and this year has kind of set a dynamite in the middle of that track and blown it to hell. And now you have to try and piece back together that track and get it back on the course to where it was but where are you setting it back on the track? Where are you at in that progression uh, and what's reasonable to expect in 2022? Uh, it, it's a question that uh, I'm fascinated to, to kind of hear if we hear anything about that from the administration, from Scott Dolson, from Tom Allen himself as they kind of try and put forward what's going to happen toward the future. Yeah. And that, that's the big question is what are you willing to live with? Um, yep. now I, I, look, I don't think this season's a fireable offense, but if you don't make the necessary changes, not for, not for, not for um, Tom Allen, it is for some people. Yes. For it some is. Individual, yeah. Yeah. Yes. For some yeah. people in the coaching staff, it is. Yep. Um, but for Tom Allen, this offseason is going to make or break your tenure at IU, I think. Um, and, yeah. you know, I think IU wants him here for a long time. Uh, I think he's a great fit for IU and things like that. But if you're not going to get rid of incompetent people, then what are you doing? Then you're, you're, you yourself are incompetent. And need to and IU is going to need to move away uh, because you need a football program who's going to bowl games regularly and bringing in revenue to compete in all these other sports. Now I, I get it. IU fans are going to say, "Well, we don't need it." For, you do need it for basketball. You need it. You know, you want to be great in all these other sports. You need the income that football brings in to pay for all these facilities and all these coaches. Um, and things like that. And, you know, when when Big Ten TV rights deals come through, you know, it, it's always good to have another football program who people are tuning in to watch. And that was true for IU last year. Um, and, yeah, Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State uh, and Nebraska are going to drive the views of the Big Ten. But IU can lift the bottom of that conference, um, you know, to, to maybe elevate the conference over the deals that the SEC gets or the Pac-12 gets or, you know, wherever these conference realignments go, you know, you want to make yourself as valuable as possible so you could get the best possible outcome. 
um, and, and the most, you know, the most money to, to help your athletic programs out. So uh, TJ, let's get to predictions for the game and then we'll let people enjoy their, their holiday and, and things like that. What's your, uh, what's your prediction for Saturday? I'm going to go with Purdue 41, Indiana seven. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I think you're one, I'm going to probably hold on to some of the beverages from, uh, from Thanksgiving to help you get through the entirety of the game. Not something we have the luxury of doing covering it, but, uh, for those that uh, are not tied to writing articles and, um, talking about the game, perhaps, if you feel like watching it, uh, give yourself some, some aids to get through it. Yeah. Uh, well, you also have basketball that night too. So, you know, you could always use the, the football game as a pregame uh, to watch basketball as well uh, against Marshall. But I, I'm along with you, TJ. I, I Half of me wanted to say, you know, I, I can't pick Purdue to win. Uh, and so I'm going to pick a zero-zero tie, but I, the uh, the analyst in me, it, it's I, I think I'm along your line. I, I think Purdue's going to do whatever they can to run the score up, uh, to to bury IU and put them back. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go uh, 56, Purdue 56, uh, Indiana seven. So I, I do think that Purdue's going to keep shoveling the dirt on on IU's coffin this year uh to, to so. fair to them I, I don't blame them no no I wouldn't blame them either and and that's what you do in rivalry games and that's what you do when you're a rival in recruiting uh and an in-state rival and, and things like that and, and fighting for the same players you you bury the other team and um Purdue has a chance to do that on Saturday uh, and things like that. And you have a chance to maybe make IU make a panic move um, in the next couple of years and, and things like that. So, you know, if it gets that bad, may, maybe you, you force IU to make a panic move. You don't know. It's just when you have a shot to take down your rival and beat them by a big spread, you do it. Uh, and I think yep. that's what Purdue's going to do on Saturday. So, anyway, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. You um, are crazy like TJ and I for, for talking IU football this long uh, and things like that. But we'll keep you updated uh, on the bucket game, and post game, all that stuff. We'll keep you updated. It should be a very busy offseason, and it should get going pretty quickly. Uh, here after Saturday as well uh, in both recruiting, uh, transfer portal, and on the coaching carousel. So thanks for joining us. Uh, TJ, once again, happy Thanksgiving. Give your best to your family. Uh, and happy Thanksgiving to all you listeners as well. Uh, hopefully uh, the 2022 season goes a lot better than the 2021 season. Amen to that. Have a good one, everybody. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.